Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the utter insanity that is faux real. On this episode, I welcome my very good friend and former Candytopian co-worker, Mark Ozog. He is an actor, an adventurer, an undercover agent, a world traveler. He really does it all. And because he does it all, he wrote a book about it. He actually sat down and wrote his entire life into a novel that has now been published, and it's pretty freaking awesome. His book is called I Still Believe, and uh, we're going to get all just all kinds of all up in it. Uh, we're going to talk all about his book, about his adventures, about him uh, meeting the freaking Pope. How amazing is that? Um, guys, I do want to mention that we recorded this episode at Mark's house. Usually I'm in the studio. I very much enjoy recording in the studio. It's a professional safe place where I know that the walls are cushioned and that there's not going to be any weird sounds uh, going on. Unfortunately, uh, there there are uh, there are a few bumps, a few clicks, a few uh, a, a few pops. There there are there are some audio things happening in this episode, but don't you fear because it is an incredible episode. Mark is a uh, just a really inspiring kick-ass dude. You're really going to enjoy our conversation. Um, as I like to say, let's get to it. Here's uh, an all-new episode of Faux Real with my very special guest, Mark Ozog. <laughs> Welcome to another brand new episode of Faux Real. I am here with my friend and very excellent guest, Mark Ozog. Mark is an actor and now a published author, which is what he is here with me to talk about. It's an autobiography, right? Right, pretty much, yeah. Okay, called I Still Believe, An Inspirational Journey. Memoirs of Mark from Michigan, who went to Hollywood, then conquered the world. Correct. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me, Devlin. Thank you. How you doing? Good. How are you? Excellent. So, Mark, let's get right into it. Tell me, tell me all about your journey. Tell me how this book came together. Well, when you have been struggling in this business, but you're and you're still passionate about your craft, uh, but then you learn life lessons along the way, uh, it's like okay, uh, you can go on so many auditions. It's you up against one hundred other people. Rejection, 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 rejection. One callback, rejection, rejection, reje rejection, one callback. Okay, um, then you're, another callback. Okay, um, you're almost there. Rejection, rejection, rejection. You know, you, you get it. So it's like it can only do so much for you. So anyway, so how it all came about really was, you know, one of my major, major, uh, I guess we will call it survival jobs as an actor was I was a public speaker for 15 years. And um, I got laid off two years ago. And the layoff was 47 people got let go on the same day. And I'm just thinking, I was a public speaker. I motivated mainly teenagers 
going for their aspirations, their goals in life, their inspiration. But what about my own at the same time? So, you know, practice what you preach. So then I'm thinking like, you know what? I've had experiences with that. I've had experiences in Hollywood and and all capacities from stage to films to award shows to TV shows to you name it and travels at the same time uh, throughout the world. And so I wanted to like bring both of them together. So that's how this all came about, okay? And um, I doubt my mother's listening, but she says, oh, she, she, she wrote a book two years ago when she uh, celebrated 50 years of marriage to my uh, father, but it was mainly for like the family to enjoy. So I had to throw, throw that in there. Thank you for inspiring me to do this. So yes, it is autobiographical, but it also illustrates a point like, how can I achieve something and this is, I just use myself as an example, but always going back to to the reader, how can you go for your goals in life? If it's, if it's acting, if it's music, if it's going back to school, getting your master's, getting your real estate license, uh, traveling, uh, quitting a job that you hate for 10 years and to do something totally different, that it's there for, the, for you. And so that's the illustration with this book. That is truly amazing. And you're doing so much. You did just pick up a whole different thing you've been teaching. Yeah, with uh, children in China. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's been a good experience. Uh, you know, I do it, do it at my own leisure on the online and I learn a different culture at the same time, but I love teaching. So that's good too. You know, but it goes hand in hand teaching and acting and say oh you're very good just sometimes the students are like you know like i'm very creative and and you know if they don't understand something it's like mimicking something so it's great to, to do that to act to to be interactive and that sort of thing you know but also being the public speaker for all those years helped too at the same time yeah yeah sure of yeah. course that's that's what our job is all yeah. about you uh <laughs> you you have to present yourself in a certain way and uh you got to be on par with with people and and uh do you speak any chinese a little bit. Ni hao. Ni hao ma. How are you? Hello. Ni hao. Shishini. That's it. And we can't really, we can't speak Chinese to them. They won't allow us, you know. Uh-huh. Because they have to speak English. Yeah. <laughs> but then I hear in the background that if they don't get something right in there with their teacher or their parent and they're like, Meh. and so we're like, oh, okay. I think now I know what that means. Okay. Yeah, like, I'm not getting it. Or what is this guy talking about? Mr. Teacher, Mr. Teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've told me you've had some very interesting times teaching these students so far well i mean, i just think i mean i don't know if you know another language besides english but you know, but but what did you take a foreign language in high school i took four years of french in high school and i took a trip with the french club and we went to you know all the all the cliche sites we we went to uh london italy and france and mm -hmm. went to Lille, saw the uh arc de triomphe and uh, went to the fountain in rome and all that kind of stuff uh, but I, I never really, in all those four years, I never picked it up. And of course, if you don't use it, it falls right out of your head. So, you know. Sure. Well, no, I mean, my, my, my point being that is like you, when you were, when you were, especially in your French one or French two or whatever, mm -hmm. starting out, you know, it, it was very difficult or whatever. But I mean, you took four years of French, so you must have been pretty good at French if you took four years of yeah. it. You know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Parlez-vous parlez anglais. That's yeah. what I always say. Parlez-vous anglais. Oui. Okay. So. Je parle un peu français. But, uh, but, uh, but then I have to understand, you have to understand from the, 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 the student's perspective, you know, Chinese is totally written so different and then there's English that comes in, which is totally a different alphabet and they don't understand it. And I know what the common mistakes are. But it's like, yeah, the other day I was saying to a student, like, I was asking him, like, 
So how often do you go to school or how often do you go to the park? And she kept on responding, I walk to the park. I walk to school. I said, right. no, how often? One, uh, once a week, twice a week, once a month. Um, I walk there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I said, no, I know you walked there, but no, I get like, it. I, I get it, but how, the question is, how often do you go? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, the, the things that we learn, the things that we learn. I love this. Uh, I love your cover art here, where you're uh, you're shaking hands with a wallaby. <laughs> you know what? And I'm glad you got that right, because most people think it's a kangaroo. No, it's but, that's a wallaby. Yeah, but it is a wallaby. But most yeah. people think it's a kangaroo. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. a wallaby. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, wallaby, kangaroo, native to Australia. So, right. So the whole point is, this is Australia. Yeah. 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 When was this taken? Uh, five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah, 2012. In Queensland, at the zoo, Queensland, so. Gold Coast, which is near Brisbane, is like south of Brisbane. So it's like it's on the coast of the on the Pacific Coast. Mm-hmm. So it's way north of Sydney, like in the center on the east side. I want to yeah. go. Yeah, it was. Fun. I want to go so bad. Yeah, it was fun. I, I want to do all the all, all the all the really cliche stuff. You know, it's I want to go to the opera house. I want to hang book. out with wallabies. It's it's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. I, oh, then you made me just realize something. So then I shouldn't have felt bad for the wallabies. No, because I tell the story, you know, and I don't know how many interviews or podcasts or whatever. This is my first one. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Um, popping your podcast here. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, but then they said, oh, it's the kangaroo. And then they said, oh, I, I felt bad to the kangaroo. And I thought the kangaroo, because I think it's a kangaroo, uh-huh. was going to beat me up because the day before I ate kangaroo. And I felt bad. Oh, I'm like, I oh, I ate your cousin the next day. But now, <laughs> oh, it, no. but now I'm realizing it's not the cousin. But, but I mean, I guess a wallaby to a kangaroo is like. Apologies to all my vegan listeners. Y- yeah. But, but anyways, I did not... But you, you find kangaroo meat in the store. It's very, very common in Australia. High in protein, uh, low in fat, but I didn't like it. Sure, yeah. just like you find uh, dog meat in, yeah. in China. China. Yeah. 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 There are sto- there are so many... Oh, uh, lots of crackling. Um, <laughs> I, I was just flipping through. I love this picture of you with the accordion. <laughs> not Weird Al, but Shy Marky playing the accordion in 1986 at, at Cousin's... Uh, cousins Dan and Donna's wedding. Oh, how funny you ran! How randomly you opened into that. Do you still it? play? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to know. I mean, I my younger brother did, and he he and he's been on rare occasion, but he's played it, and he's played it relatively with ease. Me forget it. Me forget. It. I, I I it's been so long that I wouldn't even. I think that was the, the last year I played the accordion, in fact, and that was like thirty two years ago. So, <laughs> it's really yeah. really difficult to play. Yeah. I, you know, I have endeavored to be Weird Al my entire life, so I have, I have attempted to play the accordion a number of times, yeah. and uh, it didn't go well. No, no. not, not at all. <laughs> oh, you did attempt to play the accordion. Oh, I have oh. attempted. Oh, okay. attempted, underlined and bolded. You okay. Know. Uh, okay. It, it, uh, it was very much an attempt, and not a, not a. Uh, I did not succeed in any way, shape, okay. or form. You have all these amazing photos around your apartment that I know uh, appear in your book as well. You met the frickin' Pope. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was in 19, 1999. How did that happen? At, at the Vatican. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, okay, well, I'll just, I mean, then this gives information away that's in the book. about thumping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I pick all that up. It's very sensitive, this, okay, this little so, guy. So, so uh, the year is 1999, and my friend that, well, he's still my friend. <laughs> my friend at the time. But he was my roommate. He moved out from Michigan. He stayed with me for some time. Then he moved back back to Michigan. But at this at the time, um, his mom was working in uh, China, out of all places, in Shanghai for three years. And so we flew over there. And um, 
And as soon as I arrived, his mom's like, oh, call your dad up. But this is like 1999. So this is like before apps and all that. You know, I'm going to message you and I'm okay. Facebook, where's the Wi-Fi? Buying and, sure. you know, but Facebook doesn't ex- wouldn't exist in China anyways because it doesn't. <laughs> so, um, well, you know what I'm saying? Google, Facebook, it's blocked. Right. Point being, okay, um, call your dad up. Say that you made it here, okay? And I remember, I was, at the time my parents were living in Chicago, and it was nighttime. This is my first time I flew over the International Day Line. And so we lost a day somewhere. And I'm thinking it's like this. I'm thinking it's a, a Wednesday night, and it's actually it's Thursday night, and my dad's just going to work in Chicago on Thursday. And then he calls me up, and he says, oh, what are you doing uh, Memorial Day weekend? Uh, and I said, why? He's just like, oh, do you want to go meet the Pope in Rome? And I'm like, I thought he was joking. I'm like... My jet lag, or what, what's going on here? And he's like, No, 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 there's a private thing. And my dad was on the board with the Pope John Paul Center, which was opening in Washington, D.C., then a year later in 2000. And so they were going there, it was like a pilgrimage to the Vatican. And I'm like, Okay, sure. So then that's all that started. So that was in February of 99. And then May, we went, so three months later, we went, and there was about 40 of us in the private session in, in the Vatican. And, um, you know, this was pre nine eleven, so think about it, a year and a half before nine eleven, and right. things were strict getting in there. But I can just imagine now, you know. So yeah, that's how that happened. And then being Polish helped too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, wow. How did your dad like? How did that happen? Who who did he work with? Who did he befriend that this all came together? Oh, he knew the cardinal. Really? And the card and the cardinal was there at the meeting when when we were when we met the pope, um, and it's a, so so I'm a middle child and my, my for whatever reason my two brothers and my sister in law at the time they got disheveled way in the back you know this is at the the pope's quarters or wherever he is his private session right and then I was with my parents for some reason just me and them so lucky me right sorry Chris and Mike and you know anyway um <laughs> so they knew personally knew the um. Uh, knew the cardinal, you know, and we had name tags and whatever. So the cardinal was introducing, well, this is Mr. and Mrs. Ozog uh, to the Pope, and then this is their son, Mark. And so, you know, it's like, whoa, you know. And then so I had like five seconds with the Pope. The Pope looked at me and then, you know, I shook his hand, kissed his ring. So five seconds of this, the most traveled Pope in history, right? Probably, a, I don't know whom, how many people he saw, all the places he'd been. Yeah. You know, and little old Mark here, 27 <laughs> years old, right? Yeah. Exactly. What an yeah. unbelievable thrill. And you got a full photo op with him. Yeah, like you, yeah, yeah. you got an amazing photo. Well, everyone, everyone that was, everyone that, that, that did, you know, but I remember, I remember flying back to LA like a few days later and uh, they came to get me like early. Like my parents, they, they left later cause they had less travel time in Chicago or whatever. And, um, so we were at the airport like at 5.30 a.m. And there was, I remember there was these three girls from Seattle. Someone was flying back to L.A. And so we were all on the flight to Amsterdam. And then Amsterdam were dispersing. And they're like, oh, I did this in Rome. And I did that in Rome. And, and you know, and they waved to the Pope over there. And, they, and I'm like, well, I met the Pope. And they're all like, huh? And then I showed them my picture. I'm like, no, seriously. And this is not snap, Photoshop. Snap, snap. I said, as you just waved to the Pope, I actually, like, met the Pope. You know, yeah. So, but that's a, that's a big core of the book too and the message that I was trying to and you know whatever your religious beliefs are or if you're you know I talk about that too you can be agnostic atheist whatever you know maybe you are religious or Christian or whatever it's like okay and um, you know that the message that the Pope gave me was really strong and I still hold it to today and it's in the it's in the book too you know yeah you mind sharing that with us oh well he didn't say anything to me but it was kind of like I can he yeah, it was like it was like it was like what is it, um, like uh, like going back to Star Wars. 
<laughs> now I'm giving away pieces of the book. Because I write this in there. Like, okay, it's like Star Wars. It's like, you know, Luke, I'm your father, right? So it's kind of like that same thing. It's like, you know, the Force, the Force is with you. The force Imparting is with you. the wisdom of the ages. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So um, when the Pope came in, he went to the feeble people first. It was, I remember there's a guy like a few rows in front of us and he was in a wheelchair. And the Pope came in, he walked in and he was spending some time with him like a minute or two and praying with him and then went up there and they introduced him and then we went in but one by one. So it's kind of like, okay, so he's spending the time with people that need it, unhealthy at the end of their lives, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, um, then I'm like, then there's little old me, 27 years old, just to, you know, just been a few years in La La Land, right? Hollywood, you know? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, this was after Starship Troopers, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about we, that We got to get to that. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to that We'll later. get to that yeah, so, 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 anyway, um, no, he didn't say anything to me. The only thing I said to him was thank you in Polish. He's a man of many languages. So I said, Dziękuję, which is thank you in Polish. He didn't say anything to me, but I, there was a message I got from him. And the message was, keep working at it. Keep working at it. I still and believe. there it is. <laughs> and there it is, 19 years later, right? Here we are. Let's uh, keep working at it. I know, so no matter what comes your way... With, you know, and we talked about this with jobs and, and everything and just like... There's that. been a lot going on, listeners. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> behind the scenes. I know, behind there, the behind There's the all sorts of yeah. turmoil happening. It's like, he didn't have to say anything. And it wasn't, and right. it wasn't, and then after that, it wasn't like I was like, you know, some, some, I guess, I'm not a cocky person, but some cocky people were like, what did the, you know, the, the poop? What, the, I need to work on it, what? It was more, it was more like, yeah, I'm, I have my whole life ahead of me, so it's like... He just met someone that may not make it till tomorrow. I'm just saying, you know. But we never know when we're going to go or whatever. So I still believe. But going to these passions and these goals in life on that. So, yeah. I mean, it was more of like constructive criticism. It's like, I don't know about you, but do you remember like when you're, um, I don't know, like I was on the swim team and I did something wrong or, or whatever. Uh, or you're in an acting class and he's like, no, you need to do this and this and this. And then you always improved yourself. So that's how I felt about that message like oh it's constructive criticism yes i need to work on myself but it wasn't like i was like pissed or depressed or anything like that it was kind of like oh cool i got a message from the pope here you are you know <laughs> yeah. yeah that is quite incredible yeah. it's so amazing that so many people think about writing a book <laughs> oh i should write a book well <laughs> but, okay but but yeah. most people never really do and and to put this all together, and you have, I mean, this is just an endless amount of stories. And it's not just about your um, trajectory through the career, but it's, uh, it's, it's all of your life adventures and yeah. uh, uh, all, the, all the great things. I, every, every time I randomly flip through here, there's, uh, there's just a whole, a whole other novel of an experience meeting Florence Henderson <laughs> In Beverly Hills in 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you've got a, you've got a, there's a picture on the wall uh, behind us with you and uh, it's Angelina Jolie, right? Mm -hmm. That's also in the book, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And she was really nice to me. And let's try to keep let's try, let's try to keep a G or PG. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that story was rated R. Now you have to talk about no, it. I'm sorry. There was no rated R. Triple X. There, there was, let's there, let's no, go into no, that, Mark. There, there was no rated R on that. It was at the SAG Awards, so there was no rated R. Ah, uh, okay. I see. Like, that's that's yeah, still yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. You and I have both worked on uh, all these random projects in varying capacities. And uh, listen, I, I bring this up 
constantly on the show and it's something that i really feel strongly about because uh it it really it really upsets me uh that uh that background gets such a bad name in this town because it's another job it's something that uh listen we we all have to keep our a roof over our heads and as actors we want to be on set you know we want to work in the environment that we're uh that we're striving towards to be on in a bigger capacity and i i continue to advocate for uh people especially when they're starting out doing background i actually uh just got into a heated facebook discussion with a uh, a pretty big talent manager the other day um i i was i was part of this facebook group for uh for talent managers and they offer quote free advice and i say quote because they're always trying to get you to take their workshops and classes of course mm -hmm. um but it it seemed to be a pretty good resource and i got on there and uh i actually picked up a talent manager pretty quickly which was awesome and then i ended up getting into this argument with uh with one of the administrators the main talent manager of the site because uh someone on the board had asked about background and was immediately shot down was immediately told you really shouldn't do that if you can at all help it because if any uh uh if the casting community finds out that you've been doing background you're most likely to get blacklisted you're most likely to be looked over um and all this stuff and i'm like i am livid what? i i am i am so i i'm reading this and i just i i want to strangle somebody so I very calmly and professionally replied to this person and said what I just told you. I said, background is an incredible resource. Absolutely do it. Do as much background as you can. Of course, do if you're just starting out, do as many student films as you can. Be on any and every set you can get yourself on to get that on-set experience, right? And you never know. You never know when you're going to randomly get picked to, you know, uh maybe be featured maybe thrown a line maybe get pulled in as a stand-in or as a photo double mm -hmm. it i see it happen to people on sets all the time it'll never happen to me but <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's uh it's an absolute joy as you know i've been here in la for just over six years and i've made so many friends just being on set doing background i'll shut up about me let's oh, no, talk no, no, more no. about you no, that, that's, <laughs> no that's that's fine because you know like i like i my my whole thing on background extra work and, and the book is like you know uh brad pitt uh lucia ball rudolph valentino they all started as extras yeah so anyway um so that's how that's that's all that that started and so so going back to, to my layoff of the you know the job so then then, you know, which, which I really did like that job. I did like speaking and the traveling and, you know, it's, it was never, but it's like, okay, I'm not, I don't want to do this forever. Like, I don't want to teach Chinese students forever either, you know, but it's like, a, but it's a great survival job, you know, as far as like, you know, it's something more interesting than waiting tables. But wait, I'm sure waiting tables, you meet a lot of people too. So maybe someone can write on that. But you were saying about like, oh, people say like, oh, I should write a book on this or whatever. And so was it like about a week or two ago? So one of my 
one of my high school friends, he travels more than I do. He's a Greek American, but he's like always constantly like he comes back. To, he lives in Michigan most of the year, but then he like works and then he goes travel somewhere. So then he was like out somewhere in remote island in Greece, and someone posted on Facebook, "Oh, you should write a book on all your adventures." And so then I'm like, "Yeah, you should." <laughs> hint, 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 hint. Hey, come get my book, and he knows about my book, so he's like, "Yeah, hey, okay, <laughs> yeah." But you're right though. It's like people say like, "Oh, you should write a book about this." So I'm like, okay, so then I, I guess did. I will. I guess I did. Yeah. So that, that's here what, I go. Yeah. But I didn't. Th- I didn't think it was gonna turn out the way. Well, you never know. Like you never know about life. I didn't think. I didn't think it turn it would turn out the way that it did. It was just like, picture it, April 2017, and I'm at the local Starbucks, and I just get a paper and pen, and I just started writing, and it took me four months to write it, and then I submitted it to the publisher, and they got back to me within a week that they wanted to publish it and then a year for them to like do the whole editing and everything else so so think about four months to write it and then a year to edit it to get the final product 16 months later so but i kind of had all this stuff in my head so i can just imagine you know when you get writer's block and you have to put things down and come up and this and that and and everything like am i doing this right does this make sense and you know but but to me i felt like this was an easy approach because it was it's memoir so it's like different chapters of life or different situations that happen you know, so it was like easy to, to do that. But then somebody was like, how do you remember all this? <laughs> you know, this is going back to from the late 70s to current time, you know. Yeah. How do you remember? <laughs> I don't know, because I have a freak mind, man. <laughs> you, <laughs> much, obviously much, so. Much, much, so much information. It's like, okay, so when I die, I should jo- donate my brain to science because I just like have such a warped memory. You know, but think, of, but think about it as an actor, you have so many lines to memorize too at the same time, you know. Sure, for one particular role, but to remember an entire novel of how many pages is this book? Uh, 166. 166 pages of uh, life memories, and to put it together in such a way is pretty spectacular. Tell me more about your travels. You've been back to Poland a number of times. It's been ten years now. It's been yeah, ten years. Yeah, time for time for an, another visit, maybe to uh, promote the book, right? I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So first time I was uh, seventeen uh, in high school, and it was still communism then. And but then it changed over, like after the month I, I came back to Berlin, Berlin Wall went down and everything, you know, and then communism changed. Then then oh five and then oh eight. But the old days were the old days. Yeah, <laughs> they were. It was still yeah. Soviet rule, and mm-hmm. things were cheap for us. They were very, very cheap, very, very cheap. You know, but then two thousand five was like a different country. Capitalism. You know, I would see like promotions for like learn English. Let's learn learn English the easy way. You know, everyone English, 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 and they toll roads, and you know, the exchange rate wasn't as as good as obviously it was when it was communism. But they're not on the euro, so that that saved them. But then, anyways, I mean, the euro is only hurting Greece and like Spain in particular because those countries are really struggling financially, especially Greece. But anyway, so my Poor friend. Poor Greece. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so about travel. So yeah, Poland three times. But the place I've been to the most is Sweden. I've been there seven times. I love Sweden. Yeah. You've been to Sweden? I've been to Sweden. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, when I traveled with Elp with people, we. Our second semester was throughout Europe, so I went to Sweden, Germany, Austria, Belgium, Spain, Netherlands, and Portugal. Oh, okay. And we had a small, a very, like a like an afternoon in the Czech Republic. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, seven times, and then 2008, I was there three months. 
but it's kind of cool. I had like a Swedish cell phone. Um, got to you know experience their culture more so, and you know, and, and friends that's you know they're Swedish and they live there, and and then the few times I've gone back since then, so I guess that was the fourth visit or third visit, and I've gone back many times after that. And it's kind of like you know when you go back to your hometown. And you're like, oh, this has changed, but this has the same. And so, oh yes, that was like with me in Sweden. So my friends that I lived with in 2008, and this was in Stockholm, they moved back to where they're from in Malmo, which is in the south. And so the nearest major airport is Copenhagen. So you typically would fly into Denmark and then take the the train over from Copenhagen to them. And so that's when I was taking the. You know, so when the next visit I went, they were already in the south. So I flew to to Denmark, not to Sweden, and then I took the train over, but then the train got new stops, and so I'm, like, talking to some local people, oh, they got these new stops, and, like, but is there, I need to stop at that stop, oh, yeah, that's still there, so it's kind of, like, wait a minute, I feel like I'm back in Michigan, you know, but it's, like, but it's, like, as time progresses, I have, like, many homes, it's not just, like, one home, you know, like, some, some people will just have, like, one home, but you've, you've had several homes, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. I think you're very aware of the answer to that question, Mark. Uh, I I didn't mean I didn't mean like that, but you know what I meant. Yes, you did. No. uh, Yeah. Let's see. I think uh, uh, so. I, I. I've actually, I've been uh, staying here in Mark's apartment for the last month. He just got back from a whirlwind trip, which we're going to talk more about. Yeah. um, And a book tour. Uh, and uh, I think this is the uh, something like the 38th place that I've stayed since I've been here in L.A. Uh, in, six. in six years. Wow, <laughs> you beat me. Are, are you serious uh, or are you just making that number I, I, I was keeping a list and then I lost track. Uh, I, I was keeping a list on my phone and then I had like a, a, well, I had a random piece of paper that I was writing them down on for a long time. And then I... I put it in my phone, and then I think I accidentally deleted the list on my phone, and then I lost a piece of paper. So I don't it, like now. I gotta like backtrack and put it all together. But um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely more than thirty, and probably more than thirty-five because I know I moved uh, in the first year I was here. I moved twenty-two times, uh, and that includes staying with friends, subletting. Uh, I I lived in pretty much every single region of the greater Los Angeles area. Uh, it was pretty nuts. <laughs> not, 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 as, as I was saying, I should write a book. Yeah, you should. You should. You should. Now you made me think of how many I've been in. Okay, so I've been here 22 years. Mm-hmm. Well, I took some, I mean, I, I lived in Sweden for three months and then Turkey for three months, two years. So, yeah, but I'm still counting that, you know, I came back here 11 places. In 22 years. I know it's not your 30 that's something. Not that's not bad. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good run, actually. And this this is this is my longest place right now where, where you're sitting. I've been here eight years. That's awesome. So before that. And this like, is a good yeah. place to be, too. Yeah. This is a good area. Tell me more about your family. So your your dad is uh, obviously uh, he's in the Illuminati. He um, yeah, he uh, yeah, he's, he's high up there. He's, there's, there's, he's there's, hitting it up with yeah, the uh, some with secret, the cardinal and there, the, and some, the pope. Yeah, and there, uh, there's some secrets that he won't uh, pulling a lot of strings over mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So um, pretty much born and raised Roman Catholic. My dad's one of thirteen kids in his family. So huge, huge, huge family. Um, it's in the book too. Uh, he's number nine. So one of the younger ones in his family. Um, my mother's, this is one of two, but she's, she's really close to all her extended cousins and whatnot. So huge, huge family. Um, but as far as my immediate family, I'm, 
I'm the uh, <laughs> Peter Brady. Without the sisters, though. Without the sisters, but yeah. So, And um, what else do you want to know about them? <laughs> uh, well, I want to hear more about the Illuminati, obviously. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all the things that are going uh, behind the scenes that led up to that Pope meeting. That's, that's yeah, really fascinating. Well, you know what, then it's like, I mean, are you a fan of Dan Brown? You know, uh, and the uh, uh, Da Vinci Code yeah, right, and, and, right. and those kind of like sure yeah, yeah like how can you not be yeah. he's an incredible writer yeah so mysteries like that not that I'm mm-hmm. gonna be a mystery person because there was that aspect of this in here you know but it was like interesting like I talked to some of my like uh, like high school and grade school like teachers and you know and so you know this is this is an adult mark this is not like age twelve mark right so then then they said oh I, if I could rate the book I mean like give it a rating. Um, it would be like PG, maybe some parts PG-13, but then I would say, if you can handle any James Bond movie, that's the most extreme that this movie. So it's an action thriller is what you're saying? Well, I wouldn't say. Well, some parts, some parts are, especially when I was in Panama and Morocco. Really? I'll tell you that, yeah. Holy crap, uh, man. I gotta sit down and read this yeah, book. Yeah, There's, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm imagining running through the streets and, and car chases. I, and, well, uh, I wouldn't say car chases, but people chases, yeah. Holy crap, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> What what what's the what's the the audience that listens to this? Are they, no one listens to the show. No, oh. there's there's actually, <laughs> um, uh, actually I have uh, I have a pretty incredible listening audience. Uh, this goes out to uh, I I mean it changes every episode. It really does. But uh, I I actually have a female leaning audience. Believe it or not. Uh, Oh, okay. a, a lot more, uh, um, uh, you know, because I go, I go back through the stats on on Libsyn and, like, uh, that's all very boring. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess, I guess is like this is not like a young audience isn't listening to the show, uh, or you never, you don't know. I mean, sometimes, they yeah, could. it's okay. uh, it's generally <sighs> twenty two to like thirty eight is my. Oh, then, then this is fine. Then. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 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 This is totally of the generation. Don't oh, worry. Oh, okay. Well, it's not that. And it's not like I'm, I, you know, but there's just like some things that I mentioned or I say in there that's kind of like, oh, it's one of these kind of like self-defining moments. It's almost like, uh, you know, Catcher in the Rye. Of course. You know, and how, how, what was like that guy's name, the kid's name was Holden, right? Mm-hmm. And I, what, he was like self-discovering. And so there were certain points in that where I was like self-discovering, you know. And people could say, oh, what's what happened, Mark? But I didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> and Kramer's want to know. Who is the mustache yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit? Who is, the, who is this? What is this? Yeah, what's going on? Well, I think that's one of the, the great... Um, that, that's really the inspiration for life, isn't it? To be curious, to, to be inquisitive. You know, we, we have to keep asking questions. I'm very curious about uh, your dad's Illuminati ties, so I will I will do more research on that later after the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. I want to I want to see uh, uh, I want to see what else you've been up to. Um, okay. But uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's general knowledge. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I I, I yeah I, okay I got gotcha. you. So. Uh, uh, who knows who is actually listening to this show? They they might be wiretapping this as we speak. I, I mean, <laughs> you should see Mark's face right now. <laughs> well, I, like... there's a part where I went to Russia and I just got to swear. You know, that, what? I'm, 
Yeah. That oh my a, god. Russia, I got to do more research Russia before I start doing episodes, yeah, man. Yeah, Russia Russia was very very interesting. Yeah, nevertheless. I felt like a spy. That's why I said that James Bond. Russia, yeah, I say Russia was Russia, Turkey, Panama, Morocco and Argentina. I felt like I was James Bond in those places, you know. At times. Not, not the whole time I was there, but just like, you know, the whole sense of it, you know. And you were studying? You were undercover? No, I was not. I was visiting or going through. Oh, okay. Like in Russia, it was a layover. Just traveling? Yeah. Okay. Um, but then I'm thinking like, well, half the, half those locations I went to by myself, maybe that's why, like the International Man of Mystery or whatever. Um, but no, yeah, but, baby. But Morocco, I went, <laughs> but Morocco, I was with friends. Um, Argentina, I went by myself, but I met friends there in Argentina who are now my life friends. Um uh, Panama, no, I went by myself. So yeah, that was. <laughs> there's, I, I think one of the longest chapters is on Central America, just because so much stuff happened in Central America. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the longer chapters, Central America, because a lot was happening. Yeah. <laughs> I I can see it in your face that that there was a lot that happened. <laughs> I would love to hear about some of those things that. It, <laughs> And oh, and not only that, but like trying to get out of there, trying to get out of Panama. On, I remember I'll never forget the day because I, I had to work the next day, and but I had to come back from Panama to Costa Rica, Costa Rica to LA. Um, and the date was June 6, 2006. <laughs> it was 666. Uh huh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it was 666. <laughs> and no matter how you write it, it's, I mean, even if you write it European style, which they put the date before the month, it's still going to be 666. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I was screwed any, anyway. Ooh, I'm like, yeah. And it's not like I had planned it that way. It was just the way I'm like, yeah. So the, 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 the situation was like, oh my God. Like, I think what, like, I just had bad luck in Panama. And I think a lot of it was maybe where I stayed. And maybe because I was by myself. And then they're, they're close to Colombia. But my understanding is Colombia has changed now. It's not so much into the drug lords. Maybe that's more Mexico. I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, point being is I, you know, I had this, like, afternoon free. And so this taxi driver, like, took me around, like, the whole city. I mean, I didn't want him to. Um, but, you know, they want their money. They want, okay. And he's like, oh, and they take me, he took me down where, like, the, it's like, a, you know, where, like, Long Beach, where, the, like, the boats come in and all, you know, like, if going to the sure, it's a pier, yeah. yeah, the pier or whatever. And, but then there's also, like, like, bars and restaurants and stuff like, around there. But it seemed like they were all, like, vacant. And he's telling me, oh, yeah, there was a major drug bust there. He's telling this all in Spanish to me. Major drug bust there, like, a month ago. And there was, like, a shootout and this and that. I'm like, okay, I can just imagine. And I'm like, get me out of here. You know, and then he's taking me to this spot and that spot. And it seemed like half his, the tour was about, like, the drugs coming in and the shootings. And I'm like, can you just get me to the airport, you know? Um, then I get to the airport, and the guy's like, oh, wait, this was... Do you remember when they changed the whole thing on liquids? Oh, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think. Maybe that that might have year, that might have been after that because I mean it was still after 9/11, but it was like yeah, pretty close to. But it, but it was like kind of like I had two different tickets. Like one ticket my company had paid for to Costa Rica, but it was the same airline. And basically, he's telling me like I would have to take my luggage when I got to Costa Rica out and go through customs again. But I only had like an hour layover. I would have missed my connection to LA, and so I'm like arguing with him. And he's like, "No, you have to do it." And I said, "Well, why can't you just put it all the way through LA? It's the same airline." And right. He's like, "No, no, 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 no." And he was like yelling my ear off, and 
and stuff like that. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be stuck. I'm stuck in Costa Rica and I have to work tomorrow. And this is before, like I said, before the high, this is yeah before Facebook. I mean, this is before any messaging or anything like that. I'm like, okay, so they're going to be like, so where's Mark? He didn't show up for work. I mean, he's down in Central America. What's going on with him? So, but the best news was like when I, when I flew it's something, of course, and then 666, then when I flew in um, Costa Rica, which is like totally like more Americanized, you know, and now even more so. And the airline apologized for everything that happened in Panama, and they rebooked on a first-class ticket for me uh, to L.A. And then the, I didn't have to worry about the bags because I thought I had to go and get the bags and then go through customs there, and then that would have taken too much time. But they said, no, no, the bag went all the way through. And they said, Mr. Ozog, sorry for your convenience. You're in the third row. And I was, like, so exhausted. I didn't really get to enjoy first class. And it was the first time I, I flew first class ever. And I remember there was this guy in front of me, this Latino, like, this big guy with like the you know the Panama hat on, and you know like uh, with the, he would be he would be like the Godfather you know with the, <laughs> the cigar smoking uh, like 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 I'm like the king or whatever Don Corleone we, we, yeah Don Corleone and so we barely even sat down and he's he wants this and he wants that and he wants this and he wants that me I'm just so exhausted because but mind you I'm I'm going through the drug lords of Panama on that tour and I'm gonna get to the airport so I'm stressed enough as it is so I'm like I just want to sleep so I didn't get to like really enjoy my five hour first class flight back to LA so because I just wanted to sleep but yeah wow but there's more that happened even but there's more that happened even before that but I don't want to I don't want to give it away but that's the, where the jinx you don't want to give it away that's yeah. what the show is oh, all about giving, giving, then no All one's right. gonna no one's gonna pay $22 for my guys book. you gotta re, you gotta you gotta buy the yeah, book yeah it's $22 you gotta buy the book. yeah <laughs> maybe and maybe if you get it on Amazon maybe some of you have Amazon Prime and you can get it for even less than that yeah, definitely get Amazon Prime, guys. They're uh, they're not a sponsor on the show, but they totally should be because, well, you know, yeah. I use them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what? Um, yeah. Do, do you did you have that experience? Um, uh, well, you didn't you didn't really get to have the first class experience, I guess. No. But uh, well, no. And then the second second time I went first class was when my grandmother was dying and she passed away. Uh, but 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 she passed away like ten days after that. But I was rushing to get back, and so I got in first class and. But, and then, so I didn't get to really enjoy that one either. Yeah. But to Australia, I flew back from first class. So that one I did get to enjoy. That's a nice long flight, too. Hence the, the, the yeah. <laughs> yes, with the, with the yeah. wallaby. With yeah. the wallaby, not the kangaroo, yeah. yeah. Wallaby. <laughs> um, Read the book on the, the, what happened in Panama before that. I didn't think I was going to make it out alive. Because everything led to something. This and this and where I was staying and... You know, what I had to encounter, if you want to call it the ladies of the night. But they were not even ladies of the night. They were ladies of the day. I'm not even saying the night. This was the during the day, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not that kind of man. No, I'm not going to. I mean, not that kind of man. I'm that kind of man, but not that kind of man. That, you know, I just want to get to the canal. You wait till nightfall and then, yeah, and then have Yeah, I mean, fun. like, okay. And, then, and, you know, I've been to Amsterdam, so it's like, okay, whatever. That's and that's that's Man, not that, and that's not in the book. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get to have any. I went to Amsterdam during my book. during my up with people year, and uh, I had no fun. That's okay. I will return. <laughs> so was so you were in, in college when you went to um or high school. I was in between college. I took a year of community college. Then I did up with people. Then I uh, came back and finished community college which about killed me mentally and spiritually because i was like i just traveled the world i just, i literally traveled the world i get you i i went book. on a performance yeah. tour yeah. i'm like i don't i i really always felt like 
I didn't really need school because I was going to be an actor, and I've known that pretty much my entire life. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I don't need this. Why am I doing this? But then I'm like, you know, all the uh, the family pressures and, you know, everybody telling you, well, dude, you, you already started it. You need to finish it. You know, get your degree, and uh, maybe it'll be worth something to you. And, of course, it's the most useless degree in all the land. I have an associate's in... In theater performance, which <laughs> will never will never uh, do anything for me, but uh, yeah, I I I took that year right in the middle. That was really the heaviest year of my life, for many reasons. I was going on a journey that I had never experienced. I was uh, I was in Europe for the first time. I was surrounded by all of these people that I had. Uh, you know, I had never met before. Of course, you know, we, we all bonded together and we all became a family. But uh, right out of the gate when I started my staging, which was uh, at the very beginning of our year, I got a phone call from my mom telling me that she, uh, uh, she had cancer. She had throat cancer. And obviously this was... You know, it was it was devastating. I didn't know how to take that. I I never uh, I never experienced anything like that. I never really been around anyone with cancer. I didn't have any knowledge of cancer. It it was the first time that anything like this uh, had presented itself in my life, and I was nowhere near home. Like I was. You know, uh, I was already there. I couldn't come back home. There's all of this money had been put into getting me into the program. So uh, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, again, I should write a book too. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? Uh, what by the way, by what? the way, listeners, my mom is a two-time cancer survivor. She's the strongest freaking person on the entire planet i love you mom you're yeah, awesome very good <laughs> no my mother was had breast cancer so i yeah I totally get you yeah i totally got you and nice both survived yeah so, yeah obviously yeah um that's good yeah but but you were just saying go write a book i mean hey that's one of the things hey go what did you want to so then I, i'm going to think of some people now mark you wrote a book so now i'm going to write a book okay well there's the tools go and do it <laughs> Yeah. That's what I should have been doing while you were gone, is writing my book. <laughs> well, you would have been, according to but my... I didn't according, do it. According to my theory, you would have been a fourth of the way there, because it took me, uh, it took me That's four true. months, right? That's yeah. true. Yeah, it took me four months. Yeah. You just started your book tour? Yes, I did. So I've had two, two places now. Um, my, then my next one will be the, my first West Coast or California tour, and that's, uh, I mean, signing in the town of 18. So that'll be my third third tour. And where is that? Uh, I mean, are in you Los, doing it's it? In, it's in LA, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you know specifically where? Is it at a bookstore? or? No, it's at Polka, Polish restaurant in uh, Eagle Rock. Uh, Los oh, Los okay. Los. Yeah. So Eagle Rock is like uh, north of on the two. So like it's like between Glendale and Pasadena. Basically like south Glendale. And we'll yeah. talk uh, a lot more about that and all about your book and your tour when we come back. There are many things that bring me joy. 80s cartoons, jelly-filled donuts, superhero movies, meeting new dogs, especially little fluffy puppies. But the thing that brings me the most joy in this life 
is a good night's rest. And there's no better way to get your Z's than on a Casper mattress. Designed by Comfort Angels for the relaxation of us mere mortals, Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies, including the kind like mine that are built like a cross between Gumby and Kermit the Frog. Listen, guys, you spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. The experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. It's as if you just had the most incredible massage of your entire life, then were whisked away by Aladdin's magic carpet dancing just above the surface of the water while you glide into tantric slumber. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. A breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature throughout the night. Casper also offers two other incredible mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. Casper also offers a wide array of other products. Of course they do like pillows and sheets, to ensure an overall better sleep experience. These are all designed, developed, and assembled right here in the U.S. of A. And let me tell you, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Casper not only allows you to sleep like a baby hedgehog on a mountain of marshmallows, but they also offer hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. Their products are delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that, sized box. And they have free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. And here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, muggles and wizards, is the kicker. Right now, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash faux real. That's F-A-U-X-R-E-A-L and using my promo code FORREAL at checkout. What? Devlin, are you freaking serious? You can't be for real right now. Don't you mean FORREAL? Yes, I do. Just go to casper.com forward slash FORREAL, F-A-U-X-R-E-A-L, and use my promo code FORREAL to save $50 towards select mattresses right now. You know, so, you know, what's, you know what's interesting in this street, this fact is, I didn't hold back in this book. I, I told it like it is. Like, you're telling your audience like it is. Hey, this is what happened. You know, life's not perfect, so this is what it is. Damn straight. <laughs> it's it's pretty wild and woolly out here. Los Angeles is... It's a crazy town, man. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's just totally nuts. And, uh, you know, you're on top of the world one moment, and uh, you've got a... You've got a series regular on some show, and then you're back to doing background. <laughs> I was I was working with a lady I will not mention her name the other day on set that uh, had a uh, uh, a pretty sizable recurring role on a network sitcom, and uh, we were working background on set <laughs> together. So. 
Uh, again, I am very much not poo-pooing it. Listen, this is what we all do. Uh, we're all striving to do our art and get paid for it. And uh, these are the trials and tribulations that we have to go through. You know? Sure, sure. In all of your adventures and writing this amazing book of yours, what is a, what is a standout experience what is what is the thing that you when you're when you're meeting new people uh you know what what's the most awe-inspiring thing that's happened to you well we, we or you already talked about you meeting the pope okay so, so yeah uh, you, you, i, you, I guess i answered my te own te question says telepathy the, so, yeah you're, you're the telepathy here yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah so, that, I mean, that's got to be it, right? Well, I mean, that is it, especially the message of keep working at it. And then it sure, goes sure. along with the theme of I still believing and not giving up, no matter where you are in life or whatever you're trying to pursue. And I just, you know, I decided, like you, since I was a kid, I wanted to be an entertainer, you know? Mm -hmm. Entertain, inform, all that good stuff, you know? Which is what we do, and that's part of life, you know? That's my passion. When specifically do you think you got that, uh, that, when, when did it occur to you that, uh, was it was it in a moment? Was it in a particular? Did you do some sort of performance when you were a little kid, and you're like, oh, that's that's what I want to do the rest of my life. Um, well, it wasn't that I did any particular performance. I wanted to perform. Mm -hmm. I was four years old. That's when it all started. I went. I was four. I saw what these kids were doing on these shows. I'm like, I can do that. I want to do that. You know. I mean, I think a lot. But then the more actors I meet, they they're kind of like in the same boat as me. Like they they wanted this. Since they could remember, maybe some not, maybe some just recently find out about it. But it's like you know. But at that point, at that point, um, you know, it was strictly acting. But now it's like you know, I've opened this whole world up, especially now that I wrote this book. You know, and I love to write too. So act, write. You know, as long as I can do what makes me happy, and and and, and then in turn touches the world. If you want to look at it that way. Have you written any screenplays? Uh, that, that's in the, well, that's in the book, but it's kind of like I'm not gonna give myself credit for it. Maybe co, I, I would say co, co, co-writing. Sure, yeah, I yeah, don't I'll know. Yeah, co-writing, and that, that, that's that's up to my friend Jason in Texas if he's listening. I'm probably listening. I see. But um, yeah, I mean, I wrote a treatment for a script that is in development now, five years now. <laughs> Okay, so here's something I like to ask all my guests. What are you watching? Like, what, what is your... Or tell me, about a, tell me about a show or project that truly inspired you. What, uh, what is something that you watch and you're like... So you were, you were uh, watching things when you were four. You're like, I can totally do that. What's, what's something like within the last, uh, I don't know, Five years oh, that you're, you've... You're reading that, my mind. I love it. You're, 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 you're reading my mind. I mean, you ooh. are. <laughs> um, two in particular. Two in particular. Um, and it's interesting because both are films. And as a kid, it was... As a kid, I, I told just wanted to be television, 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 television. I think as TV was like a regular page. Or, you know, it's like... You're, it's continuous. Like it's a show that's... Recycling like, characters like every single, you know, week or whatever, right? Sure, of course. You know, unless you're on a soap opera, then it's every day or five yeah. days a week, right? Um, right. You know, but then, but now as an adult, I'm like, oh, now I'm more like film, 
film interest in, I guess. Maybe because there's different characters or whatever. Um, two movies. One is based on a true story, and one is a true story. So both diverse in diverse ways. And I'm trying to think of they they were out the same year. I'm they were either, they were either out the same year or they were back to back years. Okay, and um, you want to take a guess? They're both Oscar winners, by the way. Both both won both both won Oscars. Both 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 pictures. Uh, listen, I I could I could speculate all day, but you're not uh, gonna guess it. You're not gonna <laughs> I'm guess not, it. You're I'm not. not I'm not gonna not, get that. There there are so there are so many. Uh, there there there's been more great films in. Uh, the last five years than there were, you know, in the previous 20. I, I think sure. independent filmmaking is uh, is just coming leaps and bounds. Uh, I just I just saw Searching, uh, John Cho's new movie the other yeah. day. Uh, I'll I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. So so so. Anyways, um, the first film was Argo. Uh huh. And I think yes. I think like for me, is, um. I remember that situation as a kid it was like one of my first memories I, I think it was, was my first memory you know the hostages in Iran and mm-hmm. and all this and just and and uh, they were in yeah they were in Iran but in the movie it was actually Turkey which I find interesting that years later I ended up going to live two months in Turkey and I, was, I went to all those places that they shot the movie so that was like amazing you know and I have a friend who's actually in the movie he had a bit role he was like one of the you know agents or whatever and in Washington D.C. and he had lines and everything. And Matt Nolan, uh, Matt Nolan, and uh, I'm saying his name, Matt Nolan. Um, <laughs> he, I said, when I went over to Turkey, he was kind of, can I say pissed off? Is that allowed to say that? Oh sure, oh, okay. yeah. Uh, he was cuss all you want. He was he was pissed off, and I'm like, why? He's like, and he's like, well, you're in Turkey. And I'm like, yeah, but you shut. You were in Argo, and didn't you go to didn't you go to Turkey? And he's like, no, that was a sound stage in that, you know, whatever the studio was. Like, oh, yeah, I was at a sound made. stage. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was at the sound stage of blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I, I, okay, hold that thought. I have something else to tell you about a, a, a friend of mine, which, okay, he, I don't know. He, maybe he won't listen to this show. He might get pissed off. Oh, they're friend. all listening. Eh, whatever. I already talked okay. to your mom. So, She's definitely yeah. listening right now. So, so. so, so anyways, um, no, he's like, I, not, I, I didn't go to the Blue Mosque. I was not in Istanbul. I did not go. I'm like, but they shot the, yeah, they, the crew went. I didn't go. They went to shoot. Right. Ben Affleck went because... Hollywood magic. I know, exactly. And I'm like, what? You didn't go to... No, I I stayed in L.A. the whole time. I'm like, what? Come on now. Um, Where it's safe? Question mark? Yeah. (laughs) And and so so anyway, um, I think number one, that. okay, And then number two, I mean, it was a very creative movie. And then because it... You've seen the movie, I presume. Oh yes, you know, the movie. Uh, of course, a, yeah. a movie crew going in to get them yeah, out. Right. You know? <laughs> right. On top of that, and you know John Goodman and and uh, was Alan Arkin. This they brought mm-hmm. the comic relief here in, in Hollywood in the movie and stuff like that. And then just the whole like eight seventies and eighties music that was made into the movie too. So I think from that perspective, you know, um, that and the other movie is Searching for Sugar Man. Ah, okay. Talk about a man, musician, mm-hmm. his whole life. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, are you familiar with the story of, of Rodriguez? Cisco Rodriguez? Because uh, that's no. what it's about. <laughs> well, <laughs> Whoops. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, Just break my equipment, yeah, why so, don't you, Mark? So, um, so Cisco, it's a documentary. Uh-huh. and won for best documentary that year. So Cisco Rodriguez, um, he was a Mexican-American 
seeing a really big in the late 60s and early 70s. And if you listen to his music, it's a lot like James Taylor, you know, like the folk, like, uh-huh. folk. and, um, and he was like big, if you want to call it during that time, uh, from Detroit, uh, born and raised in Detroit, South side of Detroit. Um, and the record company, uh, let him go a week before, or two weeks before for, for Christmas. And there's a song in the movie, you know, and it's like the, the soundtrack, I love the soundtrack because if you like that kind of music, like James Taylor, or even that music of that time period, it's kind of like all of that, like struggling and this and that in the late 70s and what was going on in the Vietnam movement and, you know, things like that. And it wasn't something that always was in the 70s, if it was searching for Sugar Man or Argo, but then Argo was like the 70s later over to the 80s. But, um, um, you know, and one of the lyrics is, you know, I lost my job two weeks before Christmas or you know, the company, the record company let me go and they were interviewing all these executives out here in L.A. and it's like, I can't believe they let him go. He was, like, huge. Well, anyway, so the backstory is he was. He was huge in South Africa in the 70s and the 80s, especially through apartheid. And he was bigger than Elvis and the Beatles to them. You know, and I have my, I have my friend up in Seattle. He's from South Africa. And I mentioned Rodriguez to him. Yeah, it's like Michael Jackson and Elvis and Beatles to us. As soon as I say Rodriguez, he's like, yeah, you know, and he's, he's like, you know, and he's my, you know, he's my age, 42 years old, you know, so it, around that, that, you know, we were kids during that whole apartheid, but he knew like Rodriguez, but Rodriguez didn't know he was huge down there. And I'm surprised that like, they didn't like pick him up. So in the documentary, they're trying to find Rodriguez. They don't know where he is. And they thought he committed suicide. And then one of the lyrics in one of his songs is, uh, is Dearborn which is a suburb of Detroit. Dearborn is the world headquarters of Ford. Right. And, and so, and in the documentary, so they're down at this record, this uh, music store, whatever, in Cape Town or whatever, and he opens up the Atlas and he's looking at this thing, so where's Dearborn? Oh, it's in Michigan. Let's try to find him. So, early 70s, really huge, and he lost the record thing, and then he was doing pretty much like blue collar work. Like in the factory, you know, like in, like, I don't know specifically what he was doing, but Rodriguez was talking about. So, like, really, really struggling. And then they're showing him in this, in this, you know, working class neighborhood in South Detroit. And he's going through the snow, and he had three daughters, and the daughter, the daughters were saying, like, you know, I just hope he can, like, afford to buy new glasses because they broke. Well, anyway, so they found out that he was alive. The people in South Africa, and they, oh, yeah, come to South Africa. And so he went down there, maybe 2000. Yeah, I think it was about 2008, 2000, give or take a few years. So this is about 10 years ago. And this is in the documentary. And so they fly him down in South Africa in the plain lands. And then this, like, limo and this, like, entourage of people come up. And the daughters, and they're in the documentary talking, like, oh, I wonder who's that for? It was for him. And he didn't know it. He's like, what? And and then they took him to, like, this this stadium of, like, thousands and thousands of people. And then they're cheering, Rodriguez, Rodriguez. And it's like, wow. It was like a resurgence. Yeah. You know, like he was huge way before either you and I were born and how 40 some years had passed and he was, people knew him in South Africa, but not here. And then he goes down there and they're like idolizing him. And he's just, and all this 40 years, he's just been a working class citizen when he could have been like Rolling Stones or Michael Jackson or, you know, making millions and millions of dollars and he didn't, you know, so, but that's what the whole documentary is about. But it's just like, Amazes me. So then I get down on, oh, okay, I didn't land that role. But then I look at someone like him and what he had to go through, and then all of a sudden this happens. So I think from that standpoint, the story, the story. 
So, you know, he's in the 70s. So he's... Right. Uh, obviously, I still believe, right? You know? And then they wow. did... Then after that, he did, like, the whole tour and everything, and he was, like, on Letterman and all that. I mean, after, oh, sure, after sure. that whole thing. As you do, yeah. And then even, even, even when the movie came out. But, like, the ironic things of all this, you know, because they thought he committed suicide. You know, so the director won Best best uh, Documentary that year. He ended up committing suicide. And then you hear about that? And he really, really did. Really? Yes. Like, um, I want to say a year or two after, he got the Oscar. Oh, wow. Yeah. So just because you have an Oscar doesn't mean that life is Oh, all, no, know? no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's going to change your world. I mean, look at uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, Kate Spade. I mean, you know, stuff like that. But that, that, that's a different subject. So and that's kind of touched on my book, too. But that's a different, that's a different time, a different place. That, uh, what, oh, man. Uh, uh very much like your book. What a, what an inspiring tale! I gotta watch that movie now. Like I gotta yeah. I gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, wow. So you haven't seen it? No, I I know wow. I haven't seen it. Wow. No, I'll. Well, uh, I, I have it here somewhere. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll find it. Yeah. yeah check yeah. it out. Yeah. 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 yeah so, I didn't mean to go on a tangent on, but you asked me so what? No, so, that's. So, uh, so I would think. I would think. I would think with those two at the same time is so when this was two so yeah it must have been 2012 so 2013 so I guess it's more than five years time flies like that right um, so 2013 my buddy Jason invited me down to Texas and we, that's when we started doing a pre-production on or pre-writing on Rubber Bowl which is a chapter in the book uh, so 1967 Akron Balkans in Ohio there was a scandal going on there's like a minor league football league and basically like the owner uh, was Chicago Mafia Money, and he created this team, but he never paid them, and then he was, like, laundering, and this really happened. So we, we were looking at those two movies as examples because, hey, let's write this script about something that happened to his dad when he was on this football team in 1967 in Ohio. And so that kind of, like, draw that out, and then we did pre-production. We went down to Ohio. We even went to Arizona to look for this uh, scoundrel. We couldn't find him because um, there was a book that would talk about the scandals of Akron. And they said, okay, so this guy, Frank Hearn, uh, this criminal or this, this convict, uh, he, like, he, after he went and spent some time in jail, like in the 70s and 80s or whatever, then he went out west and he, he moved to Arizona, to Sedona, Arizona, in a gated community. So we're thinking, okay, so it's going to be like one of these like luxury. And we actually went there and we, we put up the address gated community my you know behind um so the gate is like <laughs> you remember in school i took the bus to school when i was a kid yeah so, so you did remember, i yeah. do you remember the school like they had the gate that went down that's what the gate was and the community was like like would be something like around here i'm like gated community my ass i mean uh yeah this is like i'm thinking that he's some luxurious per- well we couldn't find him or there was a name that they addressed that uh, that was tipped off by a, a local Phoenix news reporter. This is this is really happened. Local Phoenix. I don't know what a life I've had, huh? <laughs> I'm telling you what. Yeah, yeah, that. But and so that would be an extension of one of the, the chapters. But he tipped off that hey, this is the address where you can supposedly find Frank Hearn, and this was a, a known address for him. So we went there, and the only thing is, he was not there. But then we end up going to like these senior centers, these seniors' homes, and explaining the situation. But obviously, they're not going to tell us if they're there or they're not. They can't. They can't disclose that. Hey, right. we're here to look for Frank Hearn. But then for a while... <laughs> you got to get some mustaches and fake noses then for, and some then for, then for a while, when you would Google Frank Hearn's name, my picture would show up because I was used as the cast to be Frank Hearn because I looked like him. Cause he was, and they have a picture of him in the 
the sixties and then me of my, my suit and my, and, and they, so you would Google Frank Hearn Akron and the, the picture would be me, not him. I mean, they would show up. So it's like, ah, I'm like a criminal here or what? You know, it's like, <laughs> you've got wanted posters all throughout oh Ohio. Well, yeah. Now, now, now that this is all over the internet and everything else and people are with you and the wallaby. Yeah. With me and the, the wallaby and out the kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. crap! <laughs> so does does that explain that does that answer your question about like so what like recently has like inspired you and, and those three have yes the rubber I am project. very satisfied with so, those answers. So the rubber yeah. project, the Argo, and then then the searching for Sugar Man. But I think I, I think I think I kind of knew that inside me that that's what I wanted to do all, all along. Anyways, even from an earlier age, like, oh I can do that. But now it's like I like to tell stories of real people and true stories and. You know, I know Hollywood's put so much emphasis into bang this and shoot that and this, that, and how many Fast and Furious can we have in Harry Potter's and all that stuff and uh, remakes like Magnum P.I. and MacGyver. We're just talking uh, about those, and, uh, Hawaii Five. I mean, how can I mean, it's like, uh, th- those, it's like, can, is, is there any original? And they're bringing Buffy back to you, which is a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Yeah. My 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 listeners know I am the number one Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan in the world. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness, that so, is so unbelievable. Yeah. So that's, Mark. that's that's the that's that's the, the, the message there. And we didn't even uh, we haven't even gotten to the uh, <laughs> uh, how we got to know each other, which uh, we. <laughs> oh yeah, I know what what the, the, a cra- what a crazy job we had for four months. Huh? I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, unique. It was fun. It was unique. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was unique. Taking on the, the various hats of wonderful Candytopia. Yeah. And you, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, we we were coworkers at uh, at a very uh, Willy Wonka esque pop up exhibition called Candytopia. The first one was in Santa Monica. We actually worked at the second location that it was at, right? Because it was at the, uh, the, San- the like the East Santa LA. Monica airport yeah. hangar first, No, no, right? no. The first one was in like east of downtown LA. Oh, that's right. But it only was open for one day. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> the city took, because, I don't know, it got in. Oops! Like, yeah, that's not, but something happened with the permits and whatever. And sure, so, sure. But I think it was better that it was in Santa Monica. They got more oh, people yeah. to come in. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Right there near the, right. Tens of thousands of people right. came through. Uh, and we, <laughs> Mark and I actually got to, uh, well, <laughs> Mark, do you want to tell him what happened? <laughs> We well we we one of the one of the very first times we were stationed together we were in Calitopia there were there were many different uh, there were like eight different rooms don't 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 don't, what don't don't bring me into this no because 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 at that time at the time when I saw this celebrity come in I said is that who I think it is I didn't even say anything I'm like. Man, she looks familiar. Is that who I think it is? Mark was trying, yeah, because... But but then I'm like, but I think it looks like like an older relative of hers. I mean, that's what I was thinking. And then you came over and you said... An older relative? Oh, no. I got to edit that out now in case she's listening. (laughs) An older relative. What are you talking about, man? She looks... She's... I know she's my age. I know She's as beautiful as she has ever been. She is gorgeous. What I meant was, it's like, because, you know... You better take that She wasn't 20 years old anymore. That's what I was saying. But but anyways, <laughs> I yeah okay you edit it out. 
So, so anyways, but I was thinking, like, is this who I think it is? And I'm like, is that is that Buffy? Is that Sarah Michelle Gellar? And then, then I remember I was standing here, and then you came over. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a picture. And then you went up to her and said, like, oh, can I take a picture of you? And then you took a picture. Because I'm totally shameless. Yeah. You had her <laughs> which, the- I, which I got in trouble for, of course, because... And Sarah was actually the second celebrity <laughs> that I shamelessly asked to... Wait, did Sarah come through first, or... Did Drew because no, Sarah Drew? Came, Sarah that's came right. First. Sarah was Sarah, first. That's no, right. No, because I was there when Drew came in, but then after that, it was already because because when you took the picture, <laughs> nothing was stated about picture taking. Right. But then it, it I, already when Drew came it in, it wasn't a stated policy yet. Yeah, uh, it, it was Drew assumed in, that always, we that we would be good employees and not attempt to uh, ask for pictures with the celebrities. But listen, of all the people in the entire world, the there, there are only two that I would outright ask for a picture, and those, uh, and Drew and Sarah happen to be those people. The only other one that I would consider is, of course, Weird Al, and I've met Weird Al eight or nine times uh, over uh, since, well, 1996. Uh, congratulations, Al, on your star on the Walk of Fame. That just that just happened this uh, this past Thursday. Um, anyway, yeah, he got his star on the Walk of Fame. After all it's only years? 30 years overdue, right? Wow, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, uh, wow. Dr. Demento was there to uh, to speak, and Thomas Lennon. It was it was okay. pretty awesome. You're, you're, Even you're... though I was all the way freaking Metro, man. I I left I left almost two hours beforehand so I could get there plenty, plenty early. No, no. Almost, almost three hours so that I could be like a full 90 minutes plus early to make sure I would get a good spot. You know, I've been to, I've been to a bunch of those star ceremonies. And usually if you get there an hour and a half, a couple hours before you get in a pretty good spot. The freaking Metro took so goddamn long that I was all the way I was all the way in the back, like uh, almost, almost to orange. Uh, and they had the whole, you know, they have the media on steps where they're overlooking the stage. And I couldn't see past them at all. I was all the way. But <laughs> uh, Al posted, uh, you know, obviously, of course, he posted an album on his Instagram. And... But the back of my head made it made it in the back of one of his pictures. So, when? Oh, really? uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Emo Phillips was also walking around, and because, as you know, I'm totally shameless. I I asked to take a picture with him, and he graciously accepted. So I got to meet and take a picture with Emo Phillips. That was that was pretty neat. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so Sarah Sarah Michelle Geller rolled through. And, uh, yeah. She was at Weird Al King Drew? No, oh, no, I mean... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, at Candy Tobia. She's, she's following you everywhere, too? Okay. Uh, yeah, and, uh, she was, she was nonchalantly just coming through. And, you know, the, our, our managers would always make a big deal of these VIPs rolling through. And every time they would make a big to-do about it like you know uh, uh they would specifically come through usually more than one of them 
and go to each one of us and be like, listen, guys, we've got some VIPs coming through, you know, don't take any pictures. And of course, they would talk to me first because they know I'm a little shit. And, but every time they would tell us that there was a VIP coming through, it was someone I had never heard of or I was totally not familiar with. Like, uh, uh, what was it? The, that, that YouTube family that came through. I had no Mario idea Lopez? who those... No, no, no. I know who Mario Lopez is. Well, no, but he's the thing for his YouTube but, channel. But it was, it was so weird because, like, every time... Like, all of the people that I consider, like, celebrity VIPs didn't come in as a VIP. They just came through. Like, was uh, they told us about Drew. I knew that I knew that Drew was coming through. But Sarah just came through as a normal human, uh, as did Jaleel White. And, uh, um, I don't know. There, there were, uh, Candytopia was, uh, guys, if you are, uh, if you're in New York city, the new location is now open through December. I don't know why I'm, I'm doing a plug for them. I, I don't work for them anymore. Neither of us do. <laughs> they, they, uh, they closed the Santa Monica location July 22nd, but, uh, it was, it was sure a lot of fun. Uh, we were just talking about this before we started recording, but uh, I I think it was it's probably one of the best places I've ever worked. Yeah. It, it really was. Yeah. We uh, we had a great team. All of our coworkers were amazing, and uh, you know made a lot of friendships from uh, from there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, so since yeah. we're sitting yeah, here yeah, together sure, right sure, now, sure, 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 was sure. Uh, it was pretty yeah. it's pretty cool. I mean, for that short period of time too, you know, it was right. Like, because we knew it was just a temporary job, so... Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Mark, you've lived quite a life. Your book, which I will... I, I'm definitely going to read all the way through. Uh, now that we've had this discussion, I really appreciate you being here and okay. sharing your story Amazon, and Amazon, Barnes & Noble, they can check it all out on there. You know, okay. I still it's... believe Mark Ozog, O-Z-O-G, uh, Barnes & Noble... Uh, Amazon, and some other sites they can get on to, and hopefully in, in the bookstore, but I think more people get in on those sites. Uh, yeah, and they're doing a book signing. We, we, uh, you were asking me earlier about that. Yeah, so tell us all about that. So it's t- uh, Tuesday, September 18th, and it's at Polka, which is a Polish restaurant in the Eagle Rock, off the two, and uh, there's going to be a buffet, there's going to be a book signing, a little Q&A, and that sort of thing, and and you'll be playing your accordion. Oh, yeah. Since, it, since it's polka. <laughs> ah, there you go. Right? Yeah, I know, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> In your striped outfit. Yeah, and there's, well, they're going to be, yeah, but then, you know, so it, it's also. No, polka dots. There'll be some media there, <laughs> so it'll be like a media event at the same time. And, and um, yeah. Cool, so it's going to be a big to-do. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and then, um, then take it from there and just see what happens and go out and travel and. My first first published book. I never thought this would happen, but it happened. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if someone would like to uh, to book you to uh, come to their store and and uh, and talk about your book, how would they get in touch with you? Oh, I have a website, mm-hmm. markozog.com. Great. Or you can email me at markozog the number nine because we have nine lives, which is being nine nine. Uh, markozog nine at gmail.com. Excellent. And uh, are you on social media? Uh, Facebook. Uh huh. Mark A. Ozog. Awesome. And then Instagram is wizard1218. 
Wizard one two one eight. My birthday. Yeah, twelve eighteen. Awesome. Yeah, which is the same birthday as as uh, Brad Pitt. Her and December 18th birthday boys, huh? But Brad Pitt will always be a lot older than me, that's for sure. <laughs> he's Brad Pitt, I know. Yeah, yeah you, he's Brad you Pitt, old I fart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, we're... I'm definitely going to have to have you back uh, for, for well, part two and three. We, well, we got a, lot, you know we got a lot more tours. to talk about. Well, I mean, you know, I'll let you know about the book tour, and then you know, once you read the book, you may have some other questions or some... some Obviously, your, no your doubt. listeners will listen or read the book, and they'll say, like, oh, so Mark, you know, tell me about this situation or that or what happened there or, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Very cool. Uh, Thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, thanks for... Um, uh, congratulations on continuing to believe. Congratulations on actually publishing a book and and not just saying I should write a book <laughs> like I keep doing. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, like I said, I hope I'm there to inspire you and other people to do what whatever they want to do or whatever is their passion in life. You know, what we're taking from there. I do have a saying I'd like to say. I mean, I Please. Carpe Diem. Mm-hmm. Remember Dead Poet Society? Of course. Uh, Robin Williams and how he said, Carpe Diem, seize the moments. So that's what I say. Seize the moments, go for them. Go for the goals and dreams of life and make them happen. If you perceive it, if you, you will see it and it will happen. Don't dream it. Be it. Be it. Very good. I still believe. I still believe as well. Uh, buy Mark's book everywhere books are sold and found. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Faux Real. See you on the next one. Remember, you can follow me, as always, across all the places at Devlin Wilder. That's D-E-V-L-I-N-W-I-L-D-E-R. And Faux Real at Faux Real Pod. That's F-A-U-X-R-E-A-L-P-O-D. That's it for this one. See you on the next one.